0: Shut up, and sit down. Hello, everybody. I'm Nick Grok with the Denver Post, here with Cameron Wolf of the Denver Post. You're listening to the first in Orange podcast, all things Broncos, all the time. Cameron, uh, last week, Broncos at Cincinnati. I was wildly wrong on this game. Mm-hmm. I thought it would be the the game that the Broncos lose. I, I think the Bengals are a good team personnel-wise. Um, it did not show, though. It did not show on Sunday. Uh, in part, they did not live up to what I thought they were, but in part, the Broncos played really well. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back on it real real quick, because it'll be the last – it's really the last tough game, at least on paper, that the Broncos have for a while. Right. Um, so – I think we could maybe even learn more from it than even maybe coming up this week, but we'll, and we'll get to this, this week against Tampa Bay in a second, but the Broncos are doing this weird thing offensively. We were just talking about this uh, off air. Uh, they, they start a game passing a lot. I thought that they were just trying to, they were trying to encourage Trevor Simeon in the first game or two, uh, but it, it continued. It still continued. Mm-hmm. Um w- and it didn't exactly work against Cincinnati. The first two, their first two series, I believe, if my memory serves, mm-hmm. pretty much fizzled immediately against Cincinnati. And it completely changed how the game was played. It was really strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you what What do you remember from the beginning of the game? Did anything stand out?
1: Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, that first drive for sure. They went three and out. Three Trevor Simeon passes, one complete, two incomplete, um, and I think. What that what happened there, and I think the previous games, as you mentioned, um, you look at a team that's obviously built to run the football yeah. um, with C.J. Anderson, and that's sort of been their identity. Their core, the last two games, teams watch film, teams load up the box, teams want to stop C.J. Anderson. That's the formula for stopping this Broncos offense uh, coming into the Cincinnati game. So you see a lot more of heavy fronts, um, which present one-on-one opportunities for your receivers, so that obviously makes you want to shift and throw the ball. So I think there's a lot of strategy there where you're saying, hey, they're expecting us to run, let's come out and pass um, and see if we can catch them off guard in a sense for that. Um, And obviously it didn't work the way they wanted, um, but I think ultimately Trevor Simeon's big game was – for a big portion of it was because Cincinnati was preparing to stop C.J. Anderson, priority number one, and that left a lot of one-on-one coverage for Emmanuel and DT to make plays down the field.
0: Yeah, it's it's not like the Bengals knew something that the Panthers and Colts didn't know, mm-hmm. but they went they went a step further. They stacked the box nine deep. Right. Um, they really didn't want them to run at all. Right. And, and they didn't. And they didn't. No, they didn't. C.J. Anderson was kind of frustrated – I think, um, that he, his numbers were off, but I, I wanted to say, it's not my place to say, but I was, I want to say like CJ, like if, if you can't run against nine dudes. Like, you know, at some point, I mean, that's not really on him. Right. Uh, you know, if his numbers are off, it's not because he didn't run the ball. Well, they just, it was not a possibility. Um, and I don't know if it was a, a full on dare for the Broncos to pass with Trevor Simeon, but they definitely let him loose. Yeah. Um, I think, personally, I keep asking Gary Kubiak this. I I, th- I believe that they're, they're opening up the playbook more and more as the year goes, week by week. He insists, Gary Kubiak insists, that they, they do only what a defense allows. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to argue with him because they let Trevor throw more on Sunday because the Bengals were allowing them to. But also, I think they were... They want, They. I think that was going to be his natural progression anyway. Um, so I, I. don't know. How do we judge Trevor Simeon's jump? His numbers jumped up a ton. Right. He threw a lot more, and he threw a lot further down the field. Mm-hmm. And he. And he. And he completed. He. He yeah. threw more. T- four touchdowns, no interception. Yeah. It was his best game. Passing yeah. by far. Yeah, definitely. But how can we judge that? Yeah. Was it just that they gave it to him or?
1: Yeah, I think it's a mixture of both. I can't. I don't know if it's all the, the Bengals' defense giving that up. I think there were definitely a few plays I watched where the Bengals were, you know, in a very base sort of coverage, you know, split between running and pass, and they were still able to make – those plays down the field. Um, I think you look at the Bengals defense and they play a lot of two-man under, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of deep safety coverage, um, and that what that basically does is that it prevents those deep balls from happening. Um, so traditionally, you come in and say, hey, we're not going to be able to throw the deep ball against a two-man under team. Um, but they shifted a good bit in certain sequences, and that allowed those big plays to happen. I think for Trevor and and Kubiak slipped up a little bit and said a little bit about this earlier this week, just saying how their confidence in him. Has has as the coaching staff has grown. You know, ultimately, you know, you see more and more through actions. They believed as as coaches and as teammates that hey, this guy has the potential to be special. He's shown us the knowledge. He's shown us the poise. He's shown us all this uh during practice, during camp, during preseason But ultimately, when you see it on the field against the actual opponent, that sort of solidifies some confidence that you may have sort of been wavering on. And I think that might have been happening, uh, particularly going into the Cincinnati game. And then when you're able to make that throw like he did to Emmanuel down the field, maybe that makes Kubiak a lot. Uh, more willing to call that play for DT on third and you know nine or third and eleven, I believe, in the fourth court. You know, a lot, that might be a play where they tell him to hit the checkdown and see if you can get the first down, or maybe hits a slant route at the sticks um, if they're not confident in his abilities to make the right decisions. Because ultimately, the plays are going to be based on your decision. You know, they want it to be open, but if it's not, what do you do? Do you force it into double coverage, or do you hit your checkdown? And uh, ultimately. Chevor made the right decisions uh, pretty much throughout the game. Um, and I think that is going to lean him to get more opportunities to throw some of those 50-50 balls uh, later on.
0: You know, one thing that we haven't seen, which is a little bit surprising considering that the Broncos' offensive line is so mixed as far as results, they they played okay against Cincinnati, but they definitely – Tyson Rilo in his first game this season – he got pushed around a little bit. He let's let's be did. honest. Yeah. Um, but he, but he, he was also not horrible uh, right. f- for his first game this season. One thing that we haven't seen over three weeks is really a very effective pass rush, uh-huh. um, especially considering the offensive line has been so mixed. Uh, a running game helps, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, quick, quick passes help a lot. But if we're going to start seeing Trevor, the 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 deep pass that you mentioned to DT. Um, I believe that was a seven-step drop. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of right. time in the backfield, um, and they were blitzing on that play. Mm-hmm. It was a kind of zone blitz. Right. Um, the Broncos knew everything that was happening. It was yeah. that that play was rather amazing. They knew everything that was happening on the play, but they
1: they actually max protected on that play, so it ended <laughs> up they blitzed into a max protection, um, which means they basically had less receivers going out on, on routes and more offensive alignment and tight ends blocking. So they sort of. Uh, prevented the blitz from getting home but they still had their receivers going deep and ultimately they got one open so the the Bengals are taking a chance with the blitz and leaving man-to-man coverage and that's ultimately why they got beat it's really a good coaching job by by uh Gary Kubiak and you know really out Fox and Marvin Marvin Lewis on that one
0: so uh, so ha- has the have they been able to avoid pass rush so much this season just basically by
1: f- by knowing when it's coming, like I no no, I think I think a a, a portion of that um, you got to look at just who they played. Um, honestly, they haven't played great pass rushers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Colts don't really have a great um, pass rusher there. Uh, you know Robert Mathis, but I can't remember if he played or if he was banged up during that game. Um, but he didn't do much. Um, and then at Cincinnati, they have interior pass rushers, but not really the speed rushers. They're more power guys. Yeah. Um, you got a guy like a Geno Atkins that causes a lot of trouble from the defensive tackle spot inside, uh, but not guys that are going to come around the edge. Um, and Trevor Simeon, like you mentioned, has got the ball out fast, um, throwing a lot of those shorter passes. So the chances that he, times that he has got to the pocket, you know, deeper for those seven step drops, um, they were able to, you know had the protection to to get it done. I mean, it'll be interesting to see when they they play more of a uh, difficult pass rush team um, whether or not that same thing will happen. And as you get more film on Trevor, teams will see his tendencies, what he's able to do, and what, you know, different blitz packages do to him. And you'll see more of what he struggles with, and then ultimately we'll see how he reacts to that. You know, it's all about adjustments in this league, and you know they get paid on the other side too.
0: Yeah, no, I mean his first test will be when they're down by, they're down in the fourth quarter in very obvious passing situations, mm-hmm. and and what they'll do with a blitz when they know, whenever when they're when they become predictable and they need to get down downfield fast right. in passage and they can't rely on the run game. That's when we'll, that's when we'll really know. I don't know if we know yet, but yeah. but we'll know. So go to the other side of the ball. Uh-huh. Um, Shane Ray played played. As the number one, basically mm-hmm. for the first time, uh, he he was getting a lot of snaps uh-huh. um, this season, even last season. But without Demarcus Ware, with Demarcus Ware having broken his arm the week before, Shane Ray was really the f- like a full game number one um, at the weak side. Um, three sacks, which is impressive. Mm-hmm. How did he do overall, though? Because we, we sometimes you get blinded by the stats, stats of a, yeah. a sack stat, but yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I think um, sacks were great. Uh, yeah, it's hard. You can yeah, yeah, sacks are great. It's hard to argue. Say a guy didn't have a great game when he has three sacks. I think for Shane, um, and this has sort of been a thing for him. And I really don't want to nitpick because he had a really good game. No, let's nitpick. Uh, but I think uh, there was a couple times I noticed where he did. You know, you're over aggressive as a pass rusher, yeah. and you get sucked in a little bit, and you ultimately don't keep your contain on the edge, which is the outside linebacker's responsibility a lot of times on run plays. Um, and you're coming for the quarterback and all of a sudden the running back run, runs past you. Yeah. Um, and that kind of leads a, a, for a bigger play or a, a run game that should have been a stop in the backfield that ultimately is like an eight yard game. Yeah. Um, so those things hurt. Um, so you got to decide, hey, so pick your poison thing. Hey, do you want your pass rushers full speed all the time or do you want them kind of eyes and watching and you know for young pass rushers they're always taking quarterback. so that's something he'll probably have to work on and he knows that uh but for a guy coming off and uh coming off and having big pressure uh living up to wear shoes um I think he performed great in his first start I mean he's playing against a very good uh tackles over there um Von was going against uh, Cedric, his former teammate at A&M, and on the other side, Shane's going against Andrew Woodworth, one of the left tackles, and he's a a really good player. Um, And, you know, he won a lot of battles, so that's really impressive. I think you saw a glimpse of the future with Shane Ray and Von Miller attacking outside of one another. I think Shane Ray's jump has been really impressive, because last year he was buried in the depth chart. He was still getting some time. But... Shaq Barrett was ahead of him yeah. as a number three outside linebacker, and he was number four. Um, and he sort of, you know, he was limited to one side because he was just a speed rusher. Mm-hmm. He got pushed around, and there were several times on Sunday where I saw him use a bull rush yeah. and beat an offensive tackle. Yeah. And that really showed off his muscle, because he wouldn't be able to do that last year. He, he used a bull rush last year, and you get smacked around like a fly. Yeah. But now he got in the gym, got his weight up, yeah, he's up. <laughs> and, and he's, you know, able to, you know, throw some muscle around, and I think ultimately that that's why you're seeing, you know, some of the early success. But like Demarcus Ware told us early in the locker room, consistency. Yeah. Can't be a one hit wonder. Can't put in your three sacks and be disappearing for a month. You know, he's right. got to come out and be a consistent rusher outside of Vaughn, or teams are going to be at a double and triple team Vaughn.
0: Yeah. No. Exactly. Although one thing that you mentioned, and this isn't on this is not on Shane Ray uh, alone or exactly, but you you've found. Um, I mean, if there's a if there's a weakness to this Denver defense, um, it's stopping the run. Mm-hmm. Um, now I don't know. Th- ha- uh, who who, I, who do off the top of your head who's the best running team right now in the NFL I don't
1: their best running team in the NFL It's right?
0: after three weeks it's a little dodgy, but whatever, yeah, yeah, they haven't played it yet yeah, basically yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's,
1: that's, that's tough. I mean there's a lot of good running teams. I mean you look at Carolina was a good running team honestly yeah, yeah. um in a different spectrum Jonathan Stewart's been hurt for a bit. Atlanta's been running the ball well. Um, out there, and they play them the week after. Yeah. Uh, Tampa Bay. Um, there's there's a few good. I mean, Minnesota used to be before AP got hurt. Um, a lot of those uh, NFC North teams are really good. Uh, Pittsburgh with D'Angelo uh, Williams. I think before this Philadelphia game that they struggled in. He was the leading rusher, and their top running back, Le'Veon Bell, wasn't even playing. He's been suspended. Um, So they're probably one of the top rushing teams. Uh, But as far as run defense and the way that the the Broncos have been playing, like you mentioned, that sort of has been the one struggle point of their offense. I think they've given up a little over 127 rushing yards a game uh, was – the sixth most in the NFL, Mm. um, which isn't a number that the Broncos are used to seeing. They're usually on the top areas, not the bottom area. So um, I think there's a lot of things that you can attribute that to. Looking directly at the Cincinnati game, the one big rush for Jeremy Hill is one that sticks out in that first drive he got 50 yards down the field it was a counter play yeah um they had a, a unbalanced line on their left side with the extra offensive tackle Jeff Fisher coming in yeah. and then their tight end coming in so you have two extra blockers than normal out there and the Broncos sort of had a balanced defense um, and they ran that counter play and really it was a numbers game uh all the Bengals blockers lined up on their man made the block that they're supposed to and and really just launched Jeremy Hill to the second level where he raced Darian Stewart down to the sidelines. Um, So that was a big play, and Kubiak and the defense talked about that, um, and they corrected it. I actually watched in the second quarter – They had that same exact play. They ran to the same side, and you saw linebackers Ty Davis and Brandon Marshall be more patient and flow towards the sidelines, and they both made the stop for a four-yard game. So you're able to make that adjustment one quarter later, and it's the difference between a 50-yard run and a four-yard game. So I told you to TJ Ward, and I'm like, hey, do you feel like teams are figuring out and saying, hey, we can't – throw on these team we got to run the ball there and it was like yeah you do see they got to figure out something you know they got to be creative because ultimately you might try to find something we did last week that we struggled at but we're probably gonna fix that yeah, yeah. you know by then um and you got to figure something out so whatever you do and even if you have a good scheme you still got to beat them one-on-one um so ultimately there's no I, there's no true weakness um but teams definitely have chosen the lesser poison, yeah. and that's to run the ball, and I think that's a lot of why their stats are what they are.
0: Well, and running the ball, uh, when you look at the raw numbers, a lot of that comes from a quarterback too, because we've yeah. seen we've seen good running quarterbacks at least through the, the first two weeks. Um, what and and I and I suppose we'll probably see it again this week. Um, James yeah. Winston's very athletic. Uh, he kind of wondered he he got in trouble last week uh, on their final drive. Got past the line of scrimmage yeah. where he kind of didn't know, but he up to that point in that drive he was he was leading them very well. Yeah. Um, how do they stack up against Tampa Bay, especially Tampa Bay's ability
1: to run? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quick on the QB runs, yeah, that's a good point. Dalton had 40 yards um, rushing, and that sort of you know contributed. Did to that they have? that much? Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. and it's just off scrambles, and I think at least two or three different long distances and third downs. Where they're playing man to man defense, they're going down the right. field covering AJ Green and all the receivers, their backs return, and once AJ Andy Green, I mean Andy oh good lord, mixing up players, yeah. uh Andy Dalton yeah. sees the open lane, he takes off and he gets ten or fifteen yards. And that's something okay. where you're like you're beating yourself up with his defense, but you did everything right as far as coverage. Yeah. Uh you just got a guy who saw a lane. So yeah. they're trying to work on that, they're trying to correct that. Like you mentioned, Winston will present another challenge in that realm and hopefully they can correct that uh, they do get a little bit of a break this week with Tampa Bay their lead back Doug Martin's got a hamstring injury and he probably won't play uh, they, they call him muscle hamster um, and, and he he's a, a power back a guy who's got a you know mixture of them both for receiving and and rushing so he'll be out but his replacement uh, former University of Houston running back Charles Sims got to get the plug there uh, he, he ended up transferring but he started his career at the University of Houston he's a Houston native uh, he's a guy whos got versatility. Uh, He's got got versatility as a rusher and a receiver as well. Um, Talented guy to the backfield. So he'll create some problems there, but he's not Doug Martin. Um, So that sort of alleviates some of that. And and Tampa Bay likes to throw the ball. They threw the ball 58 times against the Rams (laughs) last week. So, you know, the run may be there, and there probably will be some seams, but they're going to try to beat you behind James Winston's arm. Yeah, and it really does not bode well for them because –
0: if the Broncos defense overall ranks a little bit down the down the stack this year mm-hmm. in the NFL, their pass defense is still—I don't know if the numbers suggested exactly mm-hmm. around—but it's it's yeah. one if it's the if not one of the best pass defenses in in the NFL. So even if they even if James Quinston throws for three hundred yards, mm-hmm. well if he's taking sixty passes to get there, right. they'll take it. Um, but I don't know. It's people t- people people talk about trap games all the time. Mm-hmm. Gary Kubiak said, "There's today. He said there's 16 trap games yeah. every season, um, but they're going to Florida. It's a weird. It's a weird start time that the Broncos aren't necessarily used to. Right. It's a long trip. It's a team they don't see often. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying they're going to lose, but it's a weird game. Yeah. They sh- but." The Broncos match up really well with the Tampa Bay. Yeah, yeah no, I, no, I, you're right,
1: you're right. I, I think it, first of all, it's a weird game, like you mentioned. Um, I did a game plan earlier today, and I couldn't find an edge, really, to give yeah. to the Bucks. honestly, yeah. on paper. Obviously, you play the games on the field, but – the one thing I will say, it's supposed to be a hot day out there, yeah. 90 degrees, muggy, it might rain, um, and it's all East Coast game, and it's your back-to-back road game. After a big win against Cincinnati, you got Atlanta coming back home next week. So this is really, you know, the marquee trap game in a sense where if you don't bring your A game, you can be, get beat by the Tampa Bay team. Um, the one thing about Jameis Winston and that arm – the Broncos haven't allowed a passer, and that's Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, Andy Dalton, to throw for more than 206 yards so far. And they've intercepted more passes three than touchdowns passing they've allowed two. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've sort of swarmed that area. But if Jameis Wilson can make some plays through the air, and he's a gunslinger, He's gonna somebody's gonna catch this ball. Yeah. It's his sort of thing. Um, but if Mike Evans can make some plays down the field, big six five receiver, uh, the Broncos could be in some trouble if yeah. they're not ready to go. I mean, this muggy, tough, you know, sticky type of game could get ugly. Um, and this is the sort of game where you know you come back and say, "How did we lose this game?" You know. Um, so they got to be careful. They should win, but you know, should don't always happen in NFL. Yeah,
0: I just I remember a game where the Broncos played. I should be more prepared for this podcast, but there was a game that the Broncos played in Miami. I think it was the first game of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, they were, they were a, a far better team than the dolphins. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like, ex- it was like excessively hot. It was like an 11 AM start time, mm-hmm. something weird. Uh, w- you know, strange Florida trip mm-hmm. and the dolphins just destroyed them. Champ Bailey was so pissed. Yeah. Um, and so the next week i forget who they played the next week but they the broncos completely destroyed them because they were so mad yeah but it's like weird stuff happens sometimes when you go to florida yeah. i don't know what it's about yeah
1: no, no, i definitely agree that's it, it's not an ideal destination at this point you know in the season you're focused on football yeah this sort of thing it, it, it's just weird you know and they're out of conference team you only see them once every four years so you don't really yeah. have any familiarity out of what have you seen from film? Um, so it, it, it's sort of a matchup where you know you got to tell your team, hey, this team is one and two, NFC team, but we have to be ready to go um, because you, you can get caught, and uh, NFL is not forgiving. You know if you fall back behind fourteen nothing, twenty one nothing because you're you know sleepwalking through this game. Yeah. I don't know if the Broncos have shown the offense yet to be able to come back from that deep of a hole. The
0: we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We, I think, you and I both both said, both agreed. If the Broncos were two and one after the first three weeks, they're in good position. They're three and zero. Right. Um. I'll ask you first. Are they currently
1: the best team in the NFL? That's a good question. <laughs> um. I think yeah. Really. I think um, yeah. Honestly, I think when you look at first of all, I'm a big believer in you've got to beat the champs to beat the champs Uh, and that's sort of a cliche slogan um, but but, uh, they're defending champs um, and they haven't shown me anything to lose that short of prestige and being the defending champ. A quick look at the what we got to the NFL, and you look at some of the other undefeated teams that you could say are competing with, and the Patriots are probably the first one that come in mind as their top competition. And it always seems like the AFC comes down to New England and Denver, and we'll have fun with that game later on in the year right. here in Denver. Uh, but I think AFC wise, it's them. New England and Baltimore are the only three undefeated teams left and Baltimore is a little bit of a surprise because they struggled last year Yeah, but they yeah. got Joe Flacco so you know that still is a, a beast in its own right but I think when it comes down to it and the other two undefeated teams are Minnesota and Philadelphia uh, which are equally both kind of surprising um, but ultimately I think it comes down to Patriots and Broncos the top two teams right now.
0: Yeah no you're right it's funny because I think that the, the general sentiment maybe even in Denver a little bit weirdly, even if people don't exactly say it, is have the Broncos shown enough so far to be able to challenge the Patriots, which is completely backward because the Patriots did not win the Super Bowl last year. The question should be have the Patriots shown enough to be able to challenge the Broncos. Um, But it's so strange the, the fact that they have Basically, a first year quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they lost a the Hall of Famer. All of these things that you look at on paper, you say, "Man, how are the Broncos even this good?" But really, then overall, they're they're not that much different than last year. And yeah. it should not be. Or it, it, you know, now in hindsight, even if even if I thought that they would be two and one or one and two after the first three weeks, in hindsight, it's really not surprising that they're three and
1: zero. No, no, they started seven and zero last year. Right, um, and. The questions may have been even louder about their offensive struggles um, because they played better, I think, through three weeks offensively than they did it through three weeks last year um, with Peyton Manning at the realm. So I think, you know, you look at this team um, and – New England's got to be mad at the schedule makers, but they beat (laughs) New England twice in Denver last year, and they've got them again this year. So like you mentioned, it's sort of got to be the question, hey, can the Patriots get over their hump to beat the Broncos? I don't know if the Patriots should have the crown of the AFC if they haven't earned it. And Denver sort of earned it. So, obviously, you look at Tom Brady, and he's uh, the better quarterback in the matchup between the two once he's back on the field. They've had their own quarterback issues throughout the last few weeks. But um, games aren't won by the better quarterback. The Patriots had the better quarterback in each of the last two games. Tom Brady was better than – the current Tom Brady was better than yep. the current Peyton Manning or Brock Osweiler in each of the two games that they played. And the Broncos still came out with the win because they had the superior defense and the superior team. Right. Um, So ultimately, that's how games were won. So I definitely wouldn't, you know, pencil the Patriots into your Super Bowl yet. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, it's you know, what's funny, though, is because we can nitpick, like, oh, the Denver run defense is off or whatever. They are built – the Broncos are built very specifically mm-hmm. – Personnel wise, to beat the Patriots, like right. they match up very well with them. That's why the team even exists as it does, mm-hmm. is to be able to beat the Patriots. And but you like you said that that's another that's another podcast <laughs> right. for another yeah. week coming up. Because um, they still, they, if even if they're built to be the Patriots, they still have to beat these other teams. Right. Um, you can't you can't set aside the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just because they're one and two. Um, but man, it might be a high flying game yeah. this week. Yep. Trevor Simeon come off a four TD game. Jameis Winston slinging it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a wild one. Yep. It could possibly be a wild one. I think it'll be fun. Um, anything specifically you're looking forward to in that game?
1: Uh, let's see. Um, I kind of want to see how much Jameis tests this secondary. Yeah. Um, a young quarterback, second year. He's got the feel that he has a fear in his bone. Uh, fear in his body, um, and that's good and bad in a sense. I want to see if he if they challenge that secondary down the field because yeah. um, teams don't really like to do that. I want to see some go routes with a key to leave on Mike Evans down the field and see how that ends up. Um, and i think if we see five or six of those you know they may go either way but i, I like to see those fun battles against you know top corners and top receivers until um, Talib, Talib is returning home for his first game in Tampa since he since he left there you know the team that drafted him uh, in 2008 so that should be a fun. That's my personal favorite matchup I'm looking for that Mike Evans versus Tlaib and Jameis Winston if they go down the field. But you know, I think overall it should be a fun one, like you said. Yeah,
0: no uh, no offense to the three quarterbacks the Broncos have played so far. <laughs> uh three
1: very good passing
0: quarterbacks. Um but the the Denver secondary needs to they need to get they need to get tested. They need to stretch out a little bit. Yeah. Like they need they need fifty defenses. Defense possibilities, right? Yeah. And they'll get it just to like. Let's just see. Like, Chris you know, Harris
1: told me he was bored in the first half <laughs> against Andy Dalton. He, he only put, threw eight passes. Yeah, no, and
0: <laughs> oh man, yeah, co-defensive player of the game for the Broncos, Chris Harris. He was just like, I think he knew he was just like, man, I just got to be the dirty work guy this game. <laughs> I, th- I think he was, yeah. It's fu- it's funny how they do that. Sometimes they just, sometimes you get bored like yeah. that. Happens. Like you got to stretch out sometimes. Like, they'll be able to do that this Sunday. Um Against Buccaneers, lots to uh, lots to dissect next week, um, again. But uh, yeah, no, Cameron will do this again. Uh, we'll try to sneak back into the conference room here again at Dove Valley. But um, but thank you, and we'll ta- we'll ch- check it out next time.
1: Sounds good. Sounds good, man.